0: TESOL POP, Season 5, Episode 3. Hello and welcome to TESOL POP, the mini podcast for busy teachers. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about universal design for learning is Erin Verbornik. Erin has been teaching ESL at Elgin Community College since 2013. At the same time, she also teaches applied linguistics in a teacher preparation course for a local university. She is passionate about empowering students to become strong self-advocates and this interest has led her to Universal Design for Learning. Erin, thank you for your time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Universal Design for Learning, or UDL for short. We're going to talk about what it looks like in practice, as well as why we should consider using it when we're lesson planning and teaching. As with many TESOL Pop episodes, today's topic is relevant to many teaching contexts, whether you teach ESL or other subjects. So why not continue the conversation in your teaching community by sharing today's episode with your peers? Erin, let's start from the beginning. What is Universal Design for Learning?
1: So universal design for learning is a framework that makes learning inclusive for everyone in the classroom. And the goal is really to help students become expert learners so that they can learn outside of the classroom. And you can really think of it as being broken down into three pillars. So the first pillar is engagement, which is kind of the why of learning. You can think of it like how do we motivate students the second pillar is representation. That's the what of learning. Um, and you can ask yourself the question, how do I present information in different ways? And then last, the last pillar is action and expression. And that's the how of learning. And so you can ask yourself, what are the different ways that students can show me what they know?
0: It seems quite obvious then the benefits that UDL offers such as making a classroom more accessible but can you unpack a few more examples of the benefits this approach offers? So
1: apart from just making the classroom equitable and accessible for students it really is helping to guide students toward becoming an expert learner and we know that learning obviously doesn't just occur within our classrooms but on the job uh, just within life, we are hopefully always learning. And so when students are able to reflect on what works for them, what, what they need to be able to learn, they're able to kind of seek out those tools and make those adaptations themselves so that they can be more successful. And what I found as a big benefit within my own classroom is I found that I was teaching to myself. So I thought of how I learned and the activities, the way I structured things was very much, if I had a classroom full of errands, this is how I would teach them. And I don't have a classroom full of errands, right? (laughs) And so it really helped me to make sure that everybody was being reached. And it kind of opened my, my perspective to all of the different ways that people learn and as a teacher, just kind of made me realize, hey, <laughs> everybody doesn't learn the way that I do. And when when it's done well, you really get a lot of high gains without a lot of extra work, right? Like in the beginning, it takes some time to get used to looking at those guidelines. But once you get it, and once you get a few things that you realize really work, uh, the students just... They just come alive in the class.
0: I can imagine that as well. And I, I imagine you probably learned stuff about yourself in the process, about who you are as a learner and how you may have similarities and differences with your learners that you have in the group too, right? Absolutely. And I I actually learned that
1: the way I thought I learned well is actually not the way that I learned well. I was, I kind of had pigeonholed myself as being a very specific type of learner and not needing extra supports. And what I've found is my goodness, on Zoom meetings, I need the closed captioning on to be able to focus. I need to, you know, your listeners can't see me, but I have giant headphones on. Like, I need to block out that extra noise so that I can focus. Um, and I need to be really creative about how to do that within a classroom. And that's nothing that that I knew about myself prior to walking my students through that. I was discovering myself while they were discovering their learning as well.
0: So thinking about this, it's obviously had a huge impact on you and your learners. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share from your experience of applying UDL to your classes?
1: One of the big moments that I can cite is when I allowed students to have options for how they showed mastery of a skill. Um, And what I did is I kind of worked backwards from my outcome and what I wanted to see created a rubric that was a little more open-ended in terms of how they could show that skill. So I wanted them to be able to use vocabulary that we had been practicing in class and some grammatical forms. And prior to learning about UDL, I probably would have said, this is going to be a paragraph, or this is going to be a presentation. And instead, I decided to step back and say, well, if these are the skills I want, let's leave it open to the students how they want to, to show that. And this is very much in line with Um, with action and expression for UDL, right? What are different ways students can show what they know? And so I allowed my students to just be creative. And I had some students who did, you know, a typical presentation with slides. I had students who did a video because they said, you know, I want to practice my speaking, but I get so nervous in front of the class, I want to be able to go back and edit what I'm mm-hmm. doing so that I can really show my best. I had some students do infographics because they were interested in design and they, they liked that visual element to it. And I had some students who said, I'd like to stick to writing, but let's do a brochure, right? Let's do something that's not just a paragraph. I want it to be interesting and what i found is they were so invested not just in the final product but in the process in the process of creating that and what i saw was really their best it wasn't teacher says i need to write a paragraph so here it is it was a, a representation of who they were and just the energy in the room for for when they shared that with everybody else it was it was very meaningful To me and it was one of those moments when I said yeah you know what this works and I need to continue this.
0: That was a really powerful example that you shared in giving learners choices and how they engage in a project whether they are presenting with PPT slides like you mentioned or doing a video or a brochure. What other examples do you have of UDL in practice that we can share today? So there are some
1: kind of more simple moves that you can make to make your learning more accessible, more in line with UDL. And one of the first steps would be just showing students how to use YouTube as a tool, if that's if that's something that you use in your classroom. So it might be showing them how to toggle the closed captioning, how to change the size of it so that it's more accessible visually, also, some videos allow you to adapt the speed at which the, the speech is kind of coming at you, showing them how to use those tools. I think sometimes we um, can assume that others know what we know in terms of how to use a tool, but really easy step into UDL is to break down those tools and show students how they can adapt tools and make changes so that they're more accessible for themselves. A second example of what UDL might look like is kind of what I had walked through with my my last um, story. was just giving learners some choice. Maybe that's a choice in the reading that they are doing in class. The videos, maybe a choice between a reading or a video um, or leveled grammar work where students can kind of self-assess and say, okay, you know what? I think I need... The grammar sheet that's a bit more difficult. And then the final example I would say is, is really the one that speaks to me the most. And that is, as I said, reflection. And reflection for UDL is a little bit different than how we might often think of reflection, which is like, what did I learn today? How might I use it? In UDL, we're, we're also reflecting on the choices that we made that day in the classroom. So if students are doing a group activity and they have some options for how they approach that activity, that reflection might be, well, why did you choose to approach solving that problem the way that you did? How did somebody else approach it differently? And it's kind of forcing them to reflect on on their learning and how they approach things, how they do things and
0: building that foundation for becoming an expert learner. You've unpacked so many great things in today's podcast, and I have so many more questions. I'm sure our listeners do too. So if we're wanting to find out more, where is a good place to go to find out more about UDL?
1: So the best place to start is the CAST website. That's C-A-S-T. They are the organization that creates these guidelines. They provide... Uh, an entire website called Learning Designed, where you where there are free trainings, and the trainings can be as niche as uh, you know using UDL with English language learners at a specific grade, to kind of as general as what is UDL. And so that website has the most up to date information. It has a nice interactive guideline chart. That would be the place that I would I'd recommend beginning. Sometimes UDL can feel a bit grandiose and hard to approach. And if you're starting to feel that, I'd recommend then digging into the CAST um, tab that's called UDL-IRN. And that's the UDL Implementation and Research Network. And there are a series of special interest groups which have meetings and you can join in these virtual meetings and actually discuss UDL with other people in small groups. And I found that to be really helpful, again, to build that collaboration. And there are a lot of different uh, special interest groups there. And hopefully by the time this podcast airs, there will also be one specifically focused on adult education like ESL. So keep an eye out for that.
0: That's incredible, Erin. You've opened up a whole world for me and I'm really excited to check out that website. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all these wonderful examples of UDL in practice. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. I'm going to add the link to the CAS website to TSOPOP as well as hyperlink Erin's name to her LinkedIn and include her Twitter handle there. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, or indeed you have an idea like Erin did to pitch for the podcast, then you can get in touch via Facebook, Instagram, or the website tsoppop.com. Finally, if you love what we do at Tsoppop, then you can support us by posting a review and rating wherever you listen to the podcast, sharing content with your teaching community, or even sponsoring our coffee break at ko fi.com forward slash